Hello and welcome to the Shock Your Potential podcast. I am your host, Michael Sherlock. Each one of us holds great potential, and tapping into that potential is my passion and my mission. Shock Your Potential is a global leadership training company dedicated to creating positive, productive, and profitable workplaces. We develop, nurture, train, and guide leaders at all levels and at all points in their career. Through this podcast, I get to interview amazing leaders who are shocking their own potential and the potential of those around them. Learn more about us today at shockyourpotential.com and shockyourpotentialpodcast.com. And don't forget to check out my two best-selling books, Tell Me More, How to Ask the Right Questions and Get the Most Out of Your Employees, and Sales Mixology, Why the Most Potent Sales and Customer Experiences Follow a Recipe for Success. Join us now as we meet another great guest. And don't forget, subscribe, rate, and like us today. Thank you for joining us again. It is Shock Your Potential, and we have a new series, as you know I love to do, is just mix it up all the time. So I'm calling this my top 10 tips, and I have uh, guests that are just going to cover a variety of topics. But with me today is Kelly Willenberg, and she is, well, she's an oncology nurse. She's smart. She, you know, she's got it all pulled together, and she owns her own company, and she deals with healthcare research compliance, which actually, strangely enough, I have someone in my family who does the same. So it's a, it's a very unique specialty she has. But she's going to talk to us about something today that that you may not want to hear about. And the reason I say you may not want to hear about it is that there's a lot of things in life that we wish will never happen or would never happen or did never happen. And wishing those things does not keep them from happening. Um, But just being in wishful denial keeps us, I think, from preparing for things. So we're going to talk to her about a subject and her top 10 tips for surviving the sudden loss of a spouse. Now, it's a serious topic, but you know, we will also have some, some moments where we can laugh, cry. We don't know where we're going to go with, but first of all, Kelly, thank you so much for joining me today on our uh, little podcast. You are most welcome. Thank you for having me. So tell us first a little bit about you and what you do, because your job is very interesting. And I, unless you know someone who does it, you never think about this kind of uh, this kind of job and the real importance it plays in us having quality uh, healthcare and pharmaceutical products. <laughs> exactly. Well, I got into research as a nurse back in 1984 and found myself throughout my career involved in clinical research. And in the past 12 years, I have owned a business and I do healthcare compliance consulting across the country and I do a great deal of clinical trial research compliance and I do a significant amount of billing compliance and reviews with large paybacks of money involved to the federal government. And in light of COVID, clinical trials have been front and center for the past few months. So right now we're doing a lot of um, action plans with sites to onboard new studies, to open COVID studies, and to keep their staff moving forward when a lot of these departments are actually now, just like you and me, sitting in their offices doing work at home. Yeah. 
Yeah, very challenging. Um, I spent a few years of my career in pharmaceutical sales. And to me, you know, just the magnitude, people don't understand, I think, not only the, the amount of time, the amount of care, the, the attention to the most minute details, the, the questions on the, the littlest of things that could be conceived as a, a side effect to a medication, for instance, or a treatment, that how those things are documented and detailed and tracked is is enormous and thinking that we are in the midst of trying to put through treatments as well as vaccines mm -hmm. and you know hopefully cures for uh covid that this is this is really truly moving mountains at this point in time well and right now we're moving at the speed of light when normally as you know working in pharmaceuticals you know the fda moved at a snail's pace and things moved rather, you know, slowly, strategically with pipelines. And right now everything is off the charts and there's a lot of activity and, you know, compliance, if you're in healthcare, compliance is first and foremost at the, the you know, at the top of everything you should do. And, you know, pharmaceutical sponsors right now are being pushed and sites are being pushed and Patients in some ways have been pushed to not receive treatments that they normally receive. And, you know, Medicare and insurance is moving around with telemedicine. And it's a very, uh, I would say, dynamic um, part of our society right now. And I don't know where it's going to go. Um, you know, the way my business works is we normally would work with a hospital or a pharmaceutical sponsor or a clinic or a doctor's office and we'd be doing training or process improvement and right now it's and we were on the site you know we were flying all over the country and working with staff and right now we're all working remotely and we're trying to figure out and pivot in doing some things remote that we've never done before and it's been yeah. a challenge absolutely well and speaking of challenges three years ago almost to the day your life turned completely upside down and I know that you lost your husband and your best friend. So, you know, tell us a little bit about that day and, and you don't have to go into a lot of detail, but you know, tell us a, a little bit about that because I think it really goes to your top 10 tips that you shared with me that are, um, are really, they're important for everybody to think about in advance, but I bet you didn't think about them in advance. So talk to us a little bit about your unfortunate loss. So three years ago, June 29th, I was traveling, actually in a car, doing a training for a hospital system in North Carolina, about three hours from home. And I was headed home for the day, um, which is a rare event for me to be in my Mini Cooper traveling and not in an airplane. And serendipitously, me being within three hours, um, I received a phone call from the scene of an accident and a person had my husband's cell phone in her hand. And she asked me if I knew anyone who rode a bike. And I said, yes, I do. My husband, why do you have his cell phone? And she said, there's been an accident and we're trying to figure out who is involved. And your husband is the cyclist who is hit in this accident. And I was about an hour and a half out. Um, but my husband, who was an avid cyclist, was a nurse anesthetist at the hospital um, here in the South Carolina upstate region. And he rode a bike every day. Um, he had a road bike, a mountain bike, and a racing bike in the garage, and pretty much didn't drive his car a whole lot. Um, really, it didn't matter what type of weather, he rode to and from work every day. He called it his mental health time. 
And that day he was riding home on a bright sunny afternoon and an individual was driving, pulling a trailer um, with mowing equipment on it. And he looked down at his cell phone to check a text and looked up and he had hit my husband. Oh. And my husband was severely injured, um, never woke up, um, had to be intubated at the scene. And um, we had about 20 hours to make decisions. Um, the individual who hit him stopped at the scene, talked to people who had stopped to try to help my husband and got in his car and drove away. And uh, about 20 hours later, he turned himself in. Um, okay. That day changed my life. And you're right. I wasn't prepared. I had never thought about some of the things that I faced in the days and weeks after that. Um, I just, the magnitude of it, um, it's really, it's, it's hard to hear. I know it was much harder for you to experience, but during those 20 hours, I know you made some difficult, but really important decisions too. So I, from you know, just what I know, you made some choices that helped other people's lives be saved because of your husband. Right. Yes, exactly. We did. Um, you know, I knew my husband um, wouldn't have wanted to live on a machine. Um, he, he and I had talked about that numerous times, both of us being nurses. We had had that conversation. Uh, and we had talked about organ donation. And um, you know, about eight hours into him being admitted and it was grave. Um, they gave him a 10% chance. Uh, they came to me and told me that they, they thought he was, um, had a, a brain infarct and had, was moving to or had moved to total um, brain inactivity. And myself and my two daughters and their husbands um, looked at each other and nobody in the hospital mentioned it, but I said, I think we need to stop here and we need to talk about organ donation. Um, my husband was just shy of, or uh, had just turned 57 years old when he was hit, four days before he was hit. So he was in the prime of his life. He had never missed a day of work and he was extremely healthy. Mm -hmm. So um, for about six hours after we made that decision, everything was staged to prepare for organ donation. And we, we donated all of his organs that could be matched. And um, I have met and have gotten to know the person who has his lungs. And oh. um, she and I have become friends. And, you know, some of the hurt goes away when you think about that there's a piece of him living and breathing in someone today who otherwise wouldn't be here. Oh, that is, um, that is amazing. <laughs> Sorry, you got yeah, me a little choked up. Well, it, it makes you think about what organ donation means, because I think you hear about it and you know there's people who need organs, but when it happens to you and you're faced with that decision, I mean, we, you know, my husband's uh, lungs went to one person, his kidneys went to two separate people, his liver went to a person, his eyes went to separate people. I mean, I think about the people that their lives were impacted by our loss, and, and I understand it's, it's hard for them as well, because they understand that we've had a loss that day. But, yeah. you know, we all are, it is, it, we are all very blessed that we feel that we did the right thing and it's what my husband would have wanted. And in the meantime, we have helped others and possibly helped other families. Um, and, you know, we had to look to the future at that point. 
Yeah, Kelly, that is, it's such a, it's a beautiful way to honor your love for him and your understanding of him and his wishes as well. And a beautiful way to, to help someone else in a moment that is clear, that's just unimaginable. So I, so much that uh, is, it's, it's just a, a lot to even, you know, comprehend right now, but I know that you've kind of boiled this down a little into, you know, some tips that will help other people because there are people who are facing this now who might face it tomorrow, who uh, maybe faced it a year ago, but still aren't able to, uh, to continue to move on. So, you know, will you share with us your top 10 tips for, you know, how to deal with this sudden loss? Well, I think first and foremost, you know, you, you have to, you have to understand that what, when it does happen, that you, you have to kind of pull it together. I mean, for about four days, I was basically non-functioning. Um, mm. It just so happened that my parents actually had traveled to our home for the 4th of July week. And my parents were there when it happened and they live hours from me, six hours from me. Um, and so I had my parents there with me, which is, you know, extremely odd because I live six hours from them and, my, and I haven't lived near them since I was in college. But it's, um, you know, first of all and foremost, I, I contacted a trusted attorney. Um, mm -hmm. You know, things started to happen quickly and, um, and, and not because of the distracted driving case, but more for all of the things that you go through when you lose um, a spouse. Um, and I wasn't prepared. I had no idea and I thank goodness that I had the, the, the forethought to, to start thinking about it and start pulling things together when I did have support and help there to help me. So that's mm -hmm. the first tip is to contact a trusted attorney. The second one is, you know, don't give up on your dreams to grieve. Um, grief is um, all encompassing and it can just swallow you up and take you out of everything. And I owned a business and I have, a number of people who work for me who stepped up, kept things moving, kept me pointed in the right direction and, and gave me purpose. And, you know, it was, my dream was my business and my husband was proud of that business. And for me to wrap up that and put it in a box and not pull it out again would have been a disservice to his support to build that dream and for my dream and making sure that I pursued it. And I think that's really important too for me to interrupt you just in a moment, because I think that it would be really easy for people to feel like doing that would be selfish. Mm -hmm. And yet I don't think there's anything selfish about it, but I can see, you know, with all the emotions that you're feeling that it would be easy for you to go, well, you know, I can put that on hold or it's not that important and I need to have this time to grieve, but you know, to keep your dreams alive is also important to keep your spirit alive. Well, it's hard too, because you're, you know, you've, I mean, I had daily stuff going on and clients all over the country and things that people were waiting on me for. And, and it was, you know, I had to like pull it together and, you know, sit down and think, okay, what am I supposed to do? Um, because every morning I would get up and think, I don't want to get out of bed. Um, yeah. And I think that, you know, you can almost stifle your life. So the third top tip is don't stop living, but yeah. rather explore life. And I have lots of friends and lots of colleagues all over the country. So 
you know, I, I didn't stop living, but rather I flipped to exploring life with friends and traveling with friends and doing things that I love to do. Um, you know, a, a month after he died, I was a keynote speaker at a Mothers of Twins convention. I'm a, I'm a, a board member of the Multiples of America, which is a nonprofit organization that's been around 65 years. And I was the speaker and the, the presenter for their banquet. And I went and I partially did that because I was with friends. I was with people who loved me and, you know, I couldn't just not, not, not do anything. And I went and it was therapeutic to be with people who picked me up and kept me moving. And that was a, a big part of what got me going and what kept me going was to just not give up, but keep going and keep living my life, which my husband would have wanted. Absolutely. Absolutely. So I think the fourth tip that I would tell you is don't let guilt eat at you. Um, mm -hmm. You know, it's, it's that it should have been me. Um, you know, why did it happen to you? Why wasn't I home? You know, all the things that you go through the emotions and, 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 you know, did I make the right decisions? And I mean, you can't second guess it and you have to keep moving because, you know, guilt can be choking to people and, you know, you, I felt like I was, I, I shouldn't be the one that was still here. I felt like it should have been me and he should have still been here. And I couldn't let that, couldn't that, couldn't let that consume me. So I made a concerted effort to, to, to look at the positive and not feel guilty about what had happened, but that, you know, I was, had to, I, I had to find some refreshing things to make me feel positive. Yes. And then uh, one of my friends whose husband died about three years before Dale died. Um, she told me never turn down an invitation. <laughs> and she told me it. And she said, the reason she told me that is she said, you know, when my husband first died, I just wanted to sit at home on the couch and people would call and invite me to dinner or they would invite me to go on a trip. And she said, I didn't do any of it. And she said, I decided that when I did do it, um, it was the best thing I had done in a while. And mm -hmm. I was glad I did. Mm -hmm. And I was traveling all the time anyway. So, you know, I, I made it a point to, if I was on the road and I was at a client and somebody asked me out to dinner, I went because yes. I needed people around me and I needed to, some normalcy. And some of that in my traveling for my business was my normal. So I got to where I was traveling more and I traveled with friends and I went on cruises with friends and I started back up because that was what I loved. And I, I accepted invitations and quit saying no. And that's, you know, so much of what you've shared so far is about just keep on moving, you know, yeah. keep moving to keep yourself from being, you know, pulled into that, which I know is, you know, really kind of goes into your next one, but being pulled down into that loneliness. And I think that, you know, you're, um, you've, you've been so honest so far too about the battle. You know, it's, it's easy enough to say, don't turn down an invitation. It's easy enough to say, don't yeah. let the guilt eat at you. But you had to probably think about that constantly yeah. and battle with the part of your brain that says, but I just want to be sad for now. And right. I want to sit here and be sorry for myself. And I want to just right. you know, sit on the couch with the, with the uh, shutters closed, that there's a battle going on in there. Yeah, you're right. And you, you know, again, when you think about the loneliness, and that's my sixth top tip is that the loneliness that you feel when you're so used to, you know, having someone that you, you travel with, you love, you spend time with, it's your friend, your confidant. And 
just instantly he was gone. No prep, no, he wasn't ill, no, you know, pre you know, preparing for what was happening if he had been, if he had been sick. Um, and that combating that loneliness was hard. And I had to really work to strengthen bond, a bond with people such as friends and family. I mean, I traveled to see a cousin that I hadn't seen in years and we've, you know, we talk all the time now and I, I, I talk more with cousins and family members and I'm, I'm probably closer to my sister than I've ever been. And, and it was building that relationship with friends that could be there for me. And I have some friends that I don't know what I would have done without because they were the ones that picked me up off the floor and, you know, put my crown back on and straightened it up and said, you can keep going because that loneliness and it's still, I mean, COVID has kind of slapped that loneliness right back in my face because, you know, one day I was traveling and on the road and, you know, speaking all over the country and doing trainings and next day I was home and I haven't been anywhere since March. And, yeah. you know, that loneliness is there again. And it, you know, you said at the beginning, my life turned upside down three years ago. Well, it sort of turned upside down about three months ago again. And so it was trying to figure out, okay, I feel, I'm starting to feel this loneliness again. Okay. Okay. We're going to make zoom my bonding moment. And I have more zoom calls with family and friends than I've ever had. And I work on zoom too. So it makes, you know, this kind of a dialogue very important to me. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And I can see that. Yeah. You definitely, you probably had a almost like a PTSD moment when all of a mm -hmm. sudden then you had to be isolated, especially when you've worked so hard to make sure that you weren't. And right. uh, it's really, it's, it's, I mean, just the work you've done so far, it's clear that you're conscious of it, but it still takes work. And at least you're doing great things during this moment. We've got to find way, different ways to keep ourselves positively motivated, no matter what else comes at us. Exactly. And, you know, and COVID, I think, has been hard for a lot of people because of the loneliness. It's not just Absolutely. me. Um, we're all lonely. And, you know, it's, but, but it's, it's knowing that and being able to, to work it through and not letting yourself become depressed and, and, you know, miserable because you can't be outside your house. Yeah. So my seventh top 10 tip is acknowledge your blessings by, by showing gratitude. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I have a lot of gifts. Um, and I have shown those gifts through the organ donation, you know, when Dale passed away and, and how I could help others through that. I set up a, a fund um, in his honor and his memory when he died for congenital heart um, pediatric patients at my local mm -hmm. hospital. My, I have a granddaughter with a congenital heart illness and I've gotten involved in the hospitals work and helping them to put on a camp and and to to be involved in something that my husband was very involved with because she was in utero when he died and we knew that she had this problem but i've i've taken in and wrapped into what he would have loved into something that i'm able to share some of my blessings with and some of my talents i have joined a and been appointed now to a national committee on lung transplantation oh. and helping in that way to, to help others who might struggle with the decisions I made or from the, the donor family to the recipient. And, you know, the recipient, they sometimes feel guilty and it's a, it's a, it's a tug for them. So I've gotten involved in that way. Um, and I, you know, at, at this point in my life, I think that showing gratitude to others is important. Um, and thanking people who have helped me along the way is 
it, I, I probably can't thank some people enough for some of the things they've, they've done to help me, um, family and friends, for things that they've sent me or traveled with me or um, done with me. But, you know, it's, it's taking the, the things that you have. And I have, you know, two great daughters and, and their husbands and grandkids. And, and it, I have to remember that I do have a lot of blessings in my life. And how can I take the things that I have and help others who might not have or might need to understand some of the things that we've gone through with, you know, losing Dale the way we did, organ donation or congenital heart. And I've also been very involved in dis the distracted driving lobbying oh, here in South Carolina. I've, yeah, I've spoken a couple times at committee meetings. It is not a state law here. There's a texting law, but we've been trying to get a, a hands-free bill passed for the last two years that I've been helping with it. And that's another area where I've, you know, shown gratitude to the people who are supporting that because that's important to me. Wow. I didn't realize there was any part of the U.S. that didn't have that, but clearly there, there that's not the case. Wow. Holy moly. Let's see, what are we on? We're on number eight. So number eight, don't allow sorrow to take over your life, but rather prioritize your well-being. So take, a, take care of you. Um, I've mm -hmm. had numerous friends who've lost their husbands, you know, since Dale or right before Dale. And I, I always remind people that you have to take care of you because if, if I'm not taking care of me, I can't do all of the things that I want to do to help others. And I want to be there for my kids and my grandkids. And so it's, it's, you know, making sure that you're eating and sleeping. And if you need counseling, you get it and that you, you know, realize that you're a human being and, and your well-being depends on you being cognizant of it. Because a lot of people get, you know, kind of wrapped up in some of the sorrow and the depression and it, they move into an unhealthy state. And I think that's important when you lose someone to, to, to maintain your health. I agree. And then number nine is don't get overwhelmed with all the agencies you need to contact. Yeah, there's a lot. Oh my gosh. I, and there were things that I forgot, you know, um, and then I had trouble. Um, you know, getting things taken care of, such as, you know, the bank and the insurance and the government agencies and the motor vehicle department and real estate and the memberships that he had. And, and he was in the military, um, you know, stocks, investments, um, bonds, things that had his name on it. Um, it. There was so many things that I needed to do and there wasn't a great place to figure it out. Um, I, I received a checklist from a friend that I've modified and actually sent out to a couple people since then because there were so many things. And then two years into it, I was in the process of putting my house on the market and moving into a townhome. And lo and behold, I couldn't put our house on the market because the house still had his name on the title. Oh, no. So it was oh. all the things that you have to do. And it's, it's figuring out how to get it all done and to do it in some format, which again goes back to number one, having an attorney and making sure that you have everything that you need and that you take care of everything you need. Because when I figured out my house was, was still in his name and they weren't going to let me put it on the market, it was like, okay, I, I thought I took care of this and I didn't. So, mm -hmm. but you know, it takes time. It took me about, uh, I'd say nine months to get everything done that needed to be done after he passed away. Yeah, it really can. I know that with my husband and I, we keep a uh, an encrypted spreadsheet yep. that we send to his one of his brothers um, a couple times a year. 
and that has all of our passwords and things because you know you can't shut down your you you couldn't shut down his facebook page unless you had his password and get right. in there and shut it down i don't know if he had one but you know we've you know we've been really clear like there's certain things that i don't i don't want to get i have a very good friend from grade school who passed away uh two years ago and no one can shut down her facebook page so every year on her birthday which is coming up again it pops up as you know wish her a happy birthday and it's like oh it's, yeah, it's one of those exactly. things. I don't want that to. Ha I don't want that to be me. <laughs> yeah, and I mean that's just really kind of a general tip for anyone is that that's that checklist, that spreadsheet. Your your kids, your brother, somebody having access to stuff, knowing where stuff is. Yes. I mean, you know, Dale had been in the military, and I wanted him to wanted him to have a military funeral, and they asked me a, about a DD fourteen when he died, and it was like, okay, where is that <laughs> document? I'm sure we have it. Um, my dad and I went through files and files try, find, to find that document that I wanted for his funeral. Yeah. But I mean, it's those kind of things that kind of overwhelm you. And then, you know, my, my, my last one is to put a copy of the death certificate. And it sounds morbid, but I put a copy of his death certificate in my glove box of my car. Because yes, I, I don't know how many times I went to places and they said, well, we need a copy of the death certificate. And then I would have to go all, I was all motivated and got ready. And I was so proud of myself for getting there and I was going to take care of it. And then they asked me for something and it was like, I was crushed and I got back in the car and then I was like, oh, I got to go home and do this again after I got all, you know, psyched up to go do it. So I kept copies, a few copies in my glove box. And actually I did use them all finally. Um, and it was, it just became convenient. And it's, it's, people said, well, why, ooh, that's kind of awful. I said, well, you know, it, it, it made me feel better. Cause then if they said to me, you don't have your death certificate, I could say, yes, I do. I'll go out to the car and bring it to you. So, but you know, right that was just because it was my, it was my mindset. You get all motivated and all psyched up. And then you, you know, you go in and you stand in line. I stood in line at the driver's license branch, had a number, stood in line, filled stuff out and then got to the counter. And she said she needed the death certificate. And I, I just fell apart and started crying. So that's just a tip that I think would help you. I think that is, when I first saw that on your list, I was like, I wonder what she's going to say about this. And that makes so much sense because <clears throat> like you said, you know, with the, the magnitude of things that have to be done, the, the multitude of paperwork that has to be filled out, that when, when you are already emotionally charged, exactly doing some of those, it's salt in the wound. And then if you get finally that energy to do it and you get there and you're missing the piece, I would lose it as well. So just having that preparation or knowing that it's there as a backup, that's, I think that's a really great point. Well, it was easier to go out to the car than to go all the way home. And yeah. it, it made me feel better because as you said, I was emotionally ready to do what I was doing because it does take some level of an emotional, you know, well-being sense of I can do this today. There were days that I, there were days that I couldn't have done some of the things I had to do. Um, and, you know, it, it became very apparent to me that the things that mattered were the simple things. And, mm -hmm. you know, my husband had a great sense of humor. So, you know, I would, if I had to trips back out to the car and, and get the, the um, death certificate out of the, the glove box, I would just get in the car and I'd say, okay, why didn't you hand it to me before I got out of the car? <laughs> and you know, so I could make myself laugh. So I could not, so I could go back in there, you know, and kind of like face the world with a dazzling smile. Okay. I'm back. Look out. But right. 
It's, uh, it's a hard thing to do. It's a hard thing to get to the point where you can smile and laugh again. I bet. I bet it is. But just by what you've shared, it's, it's really important. You know, it's like I said in the beginning, it's a topic that nobody wants to think about. Nobody wants to deal with. Nobody wants to face. Um, but we're all going to face it some way at some point in time with someone we love if we haven't already. And, uh, and the key is, you know, at least being able to hear from other people that not only how to help survive it, but that you did survive it and that you're still moving forward every day. Um, doesn't mean it's easy and doesn't mean it always feels good, but the, uh, the willingness and your desire to help other people through the process, I think really proves your gratitude you know, I know you work hard to make sure you feel and show your gratitude, but this really proves your gratitude, you know, to the rest of the world by continuing to share. And I'm very honored that you've shared it with us. Do you have any last words of wisdom or pearls of advice for my listeners and viewers? Well, I think that the final thing I'd say for people to remember is, you know, it's, it's a process. Um, you know, my husband's been gone three years and my life is not normal it's a new normal or a new abnormal and we just keep trying to figure out ways to move forward you know i see it i see him and my kids my and i my grandkids and it makes me feel like that me being positive and me keeping to move forward even though there's days it's it's really tough but it you have to give yourself the time to get to get to those points because it's not going to happen overnight. And, you know, people told me, well, it'll, it, you know, don't do anything for a year. Well, I moved into my new home at the two year mark. And, you know, that's been about a year ago. And I would tell you that that was probably the, the best thing. One of the best things I did after he died. And, it, and, and I, now I feel as though that that was a, that was a point for me in, in moving forward to, to somewhat of a new normal. And, you know, people sometimes can't, can't make change. And, you know, you, you have to move your cheese a little bit and figure out, you know, do you want to eat the old cheese or the new cheese? And, you know, everybody <laughs> has to, has to figure out what cheese they want to eat. And, and you can be stifled and, you know, not want to change. Um, and I think that's one of the things that, you know, people really struggle with. And I have friends that have struggled with that. You know, it's, it's how do I change? How do I make change? And, and I feel like that, I've made change, but it's been in little increments, but I'm happy with the change that I've made. And I think he would be proud of me. I, I think he would be, you know, smiling that I'm, I'm able to at least keep moving forward and I've, I've kept a positive attitude in doing so. Well, I absolutely agree. I have no doubt that he is proud of you. He's watching and smiling from above. Thank you so much for sharing your story with us. And I feel very honored to have heard it and be able to share it with my listeners and viewers. And I'm looking forward to staying connected. I am too. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you. Thank you for joining us on another episode of Shock Your Potential. Please remember to subscribe, rate, and like our podcast. And for more information, find us at shockyourpotential.com and shockyourpotentialpodcast.com dot com.